Hello and welcome to Sounding Board. My name is Dan Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And I did not warn Maureen that I was starting. You did make a face at me. That's how I, I normally, that's the, there's a specifically no. different voice for Sounding Board that I put on. Well, no. So it was particularly zen yeah. this time around. That's why I then imitated you. Wow. Dude, Oscar really might just sit down on that couch right now. Okay, I'm going to do my best not to touch him, but... Yeah, I don't think that would fuck everything up. Have we talked about the like the the office layout? Maybe. If we haven't, the new office layout's great. There's a little couch in here. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. It's Keita's birthday. It is Makita Loney's birthday. Mm-hmm. What's our reason for being late a week this time? What? <laughs> We're just late a week. I promise, listener, like, there's going to be a period of time real soon where we are going to, like, actually record weekly. You know? Yeah. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. It's rough. It's cold out. It is cold out. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. Because summer was highly air-conditioned. Yep. And now it's just cold. Yeah. And that, it feels like we skipped a season. We haven't taken the air conditioning out. Yet. Yeah. Just because, like, it's, like, not on my radar. Yeah. There's something about sitting down and record a podcast after the life that we've lived so far this year, <laughs> this week, that is very, um, what's it called when you, like, you get a you get a third-party perspective on it, basically? We got a dinner table. That I know we haven't talked about, because that's relatively new. Yeah. We've, really uh, nice. so I, maybe we talked, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like this, the whole beginning of this episode is, have we talked about this? We tried to move a while back. We definitely talked about that. Yeah. But, um, our answer to not moving is that we completely reconfigured our apartment. Like pretty aggressively. Yeah. We have a new kitchen floor because mm-hmm. I yelled at our management. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looks amazing too. Yeah. And, um, my friend Catherine, um, is kind of slowly organizing our apartment which is cool um and she's doing it in a non-judgmental way yeah which is is really nice really nice it's really hard to have someone else in your space and Catherine is doing a really good job of it yeah she's we're kind of her test guinea actually she was the first ever scopy radio guest she was and we're her guinea pig for this new business of hers so Mm -hmm. we'll let you know how it goes and then highly recommend i mean our kitchen is already great yeah it really is. Um, part of it's new floors, but part of it's also just, like, how much organization thought she's put into it. And also we got a new, like, kitchen counter. Oh, yeah. Which we is so nice. We swapped the table. Because we had, like, a card table we were using before as a counter. Yeah, because originally we had a wooden table. Yeah. And it was big and it was nice, but it wasn't intended to have appliances on it. Mm-hmm. And so it started just warping yeah until finally it was like this table's about to collapse but at that time we didn't we couldn't afford to get an actual table so we just got like a 20 dollar card table yeah and just dealt with it and it actually i feel like it worked pretty well it served its purpose but even that was starting to warp yeah um and so now we have like a stainless steel dealy which is really nice. But yeah. even that, it, w- it wasn't even that expensive. I think it was like a hundred bucks. Oh my God, Oscar and Moody. If you two can just be sleepy cats for this podcast recording, <laughs> I will be, be so happy. So ecstatic, in fact. I've been waiting for him to sit 
on this couch like this since we got this couch. I have a picture of him sleeping on the couch. Really? This one? Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just discovered it this week or something. Maybe. That's That'd be pretty sweet. Because I, like, partially wanted this couch for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I will sit on this couch. I'll lay on this couch occasionally. And for, like, an hour, like, for what I need it to be, which is just kind of, like, a reprieve from desk. Yeah. Yeah. I like this couch. I don't know that it was the couch. Well, it's not what the couch we used to have was. Which was, like, second bed. Yeah. I think we're just used to second bed. I think you're just used to second bed. I'm used to second bed. Which is fair. I don't mean to be, like, shitty. Because I do... There are times I do miss it. Like, when I want to lay and watch something on TV, it's hard to... Yeah. But, you know, I think that that's... I don't really want... I think that, like, that's for a different apartment or different house, personally. Yeah, because I think that we're in a period of our lives where... We have work to get done. Yeah. And we're getting more work done. Yep. Yeah, we're definitely being more productive, but it it's at a cost of not having a place to watch TV. Yeah. Which is sad, but you know. We almost never use the TV anymore. I do. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll sit. I mean, I imagine I'm like waiting for the the clocks to turn. My like MacBook is not really cutting it anymore, so I'm about to want to I'm about to want a new computer. Oh, great. <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. T- tell me about what new computer you want. I mean, um, I'm just basically trying to decide if I would want a Mac laptop or a PC laptop, which is a hard decision to make, given that I use both. But I will say that, like... I miss having a, a, I miss having a Mac in the mix in my daily life mm-hmm. because so much of the business I conduct is done over iMessage. Yep. And yep, so Getting... many and like and people texting me information that I then need to get on my computer mm-hmm. means that I either have to ask them to Facebook message it to me or, or Google Drive or I have to copy paste it and Facebook message it to myself. Yeah, there is not a good PC. I mean, maybe there is. Like, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I know exactly what these people need to know about, like, I'll pray, praise it on the mountaintops, whatever platform device accentuation thing. And, like, fuck makes it Dropbox. Easy to get something. Yeah, fuck and Dropbox. Like, fuck. All my homies hate Dropbox. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that meme? No. Oh. <laughs> um, Ugh, I'm learning yo-yo. Have I told you I've been getting even better at it You're since figuring out the Slipknot? Hey, don't do it now, though. What do you mean? What do you think it'll sound like? I think it'll sound like metal clanging on the floor, and it'll be. It, I'm not gonna. It's ineff- not gonna. Ineffective. Yeah, it sounds like nothing. Oh, wow. Oh. Ah, Jesus. <laughs> um, the other thing I've been working on very recently, like it's in the last ten minutes. Is the Discord. I have one mm. last thing to work on. But if you're listening right now, you should join the Sounding Board Discord. I have no idea how you would find the link. I'm assuming that um, we're posting on the Facebook page soon. And the Instagram soon to join the join the Discord. But I need to figure out. There's like one last thing I need to figure out. So maybe I've figured this out already by the time you're listening to it. Sorry that the yo-yo is ringing. I can hear it. I can hear it going. I just was, I was rolling it back up after I dropped it. 
Um, I need to set up something that basically makes it such that you have to accept the rules before you get into the server. Because I want to spread the server further, but I also want to make sure that there's some level of preventing people from being toxic, you know? So that's the that's the goal. Um, another server I'm in, there's like a whole vetting thing where people have to answer questions, which is also a possibility. Like, it's a thing that Facebook groups do, obviously. Yeah. But it's kind of tricky to set that up. Yeah, and I mean, I put little emojis in every channel. I think it's really They're cute. They're very cute. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. They're really, really cute. Yeah. I, think I like that nice. the astrology one has an Aries and a Sagittarius. I thought you would like that. Yeah. Yeah, I did that on purpose. I know. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, because fire signs only are the only ones that matter, except for Leo's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was I going to say? Um, that and uh, Libras and Geminis. Yeah. Are the ones, the main, my our main ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you can check out, like, I added rules, too. I don't know if you had a chance to read that. No, I just added I, I did see the rules. Yeah. I thought that they were good rules. Yeah, seemed decent. Mm-hmm. I don't know why General has two garlic bulbs. <laughs> Gee. I guess. <laughs> it can be changed. It can be changed. I just thought it was fun. Maybe by the time, listener, you see it, it's already changed. But know that it started, it started as two garlic, garlic bulbs. Um, yeah. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is I have first off, listener. I told you about this the last time we, that I wanted to get a notepad, and I have one. He's I got, got a one. notepad. I do, and it's it's a it's a ring one, and it's not moleskin, but it's similarly like a cool brand called Right in the Rain. R-I-T-E, in the rain. And it's waterproof. It was five bucks on Amazon, and it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Excuse me, sorry. Um, but anyway, so I have notes. I've actually, I actually wrote notes for what I'm talking about tonight. Um, and you know what? Actually, honestly, Discord is probably a good like transition to the first thing I want to talk about, which is just like... Here comes a cat. I've, I feel like I've... Do I still have the keyboard turned off? I, this is a yeah. thing I've learned recently, mm-hmm. listener. That's also great. If you have cats... And you're going to be st- stood away from your compu- the keyboard for a while or recording a podcast and don't want them to fuck with everything. And you have a wireless keyboard, just turn it off. <laughs> just turn off the keyboard. And then, then the cats can do whatever the fuck they want to do to your keyboard and you don't have to worry about it. Maybe you have a laptop and you can't do that, but if you have a desktop. Anyway, all right. Ooh, but if you have a laptop and the cat is fucking with your laptop, what you can do is you can open, you can open a book. And you're, and then put your cat's front paws on it, and then it'll be like they're, and then they'll have their own little laptop. Sure. And then they'll, and but it, the reason that they want to walk on your keyboard is that they want to mirror you. And I saw that on TikTok, and I was like, well, what if we just gave Oscar his own keyboard, and so we just like took an old like macbook wireless keyboard and kind of just like shoved it under his chest and for like two minutes he was like cute but then he then he like knocked it behind daniel's desk you know what i noticed earlier he knocked a toilet paper roll into the toilet what yeah you missed that entirely ew i know doesn't that suck that's like the worst i gotta say that's probably like the worst things in the world 
like first world problem for sure. But man, when you just see a full ass toilet paper roll in the toilet bowl, because that's it's, it's ruined. It's ruined. It's ruined. And like, even if you were to let it dry for some reason, yeah, ruined. Ruined. Absolutely. He is sleeping on that couch. That's really good. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about. So we've been playing a lot of Among Us. Um, which if you haven't heard, it's a game. It's really fun. It's like a it's like werewolf, it's like mafia. Um, and it's like ten people and you play and you try and find the imposter. Uh and that is on the same vein as like Fall Guys, which is these games that are kind of like party games, like social bringing people together. Among Us is really Fall Guys is fascinating because it was new when it came out, like, and it it got immediately intensely popular, millions of people playing it. Among Us is interesting because it came out in 2018, was not very popular, and then all of a sudden became very popular when it was rediscovered. And that so that is the is the one piece of the thing I wanted to talk about, and just the other element of like a lot of people now are starting to we're coming into the fall since the coronavirus started, and the whole idea of and I don't necessarily want to harp on this because it's a little depressing, but just the idea of like the new normal mm-hmm. is is rough to think about, you know, because like we don't know like when the vaccine is going to happen and if it does happen, like accessibility and stuff. Like there may be parts of this that really extend into our culture. Yeah, I think, and and I think that you know there's I and, and uh, the parts of this conversation I want to because the other shit we have to talk about today's episode is not fun. So like the parts of this conversation I did want to talk about is just like. There is elements to that of, of things that this becoming to the new normal that I think are fun. Like, I think that the digital social aspect of the world we're living in, I mean, I think we were headed that way anyway. Like, Discord yeah. existed before this. Like, Among Us, for example, was a game that was designed before this, and people were playing it and thought it was fun, but it got popular because of the fact that you have this audience that's more readily available, readily available to it. Same with Twitch. Like, Twitch was getting big before the coronavirus, but... Now you're talking about having tens of thousands of people that are watching live streams because you have that the audience is there for it. Right. And so I find it I find it fascinating that we're in this moment where part of the new normal is taking on this kind of like digital social space. Yeah. No, it's fascinating and like because we are more global than previous generations, like I feel like Anyone who went to college or, you know, anyone who went or anyone who went to college in a different city has friends scattered all over the country and potentially all over the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it used to be like when people were content, when people had the option of seeing people and hanging out with people in their own cities, that friendships from around the country, around the world, were deprioritized. Because if you have the option of seeing a friend in person, you get more of that, like, socializing hit when you see them in person. Right. And it was considered a hassle to figure out some sort of online hangout. But now that, like, you know, especially, like, in April... Yeah. when When it was very much, like me hanging out with someone who lived down the street who lives down the street from me mm-hmm. is exactly the same as hanging out with someone in Ireland who cares you know what's the thing that's funny to me so we've mentioned the show before we do this thing called Sunday dinner 
And um, when the when the pandemic first started, we were doing it on Discord. And Discord's different from like Zoom, for example, where Discord's very much audio first. Like you don't really um, people don't normally video chat on Discord. And we were doing Sunday dinner for like two months or so, and then just like after the first two months, we said, "Hey, let's just turn the cameras on." And I just remember like the dopamine rush of seeing everybody's faces again yeah. is so uniquely pandemic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like it would not have. If you would have told me months before that I would prefer, in some cases, using webcam. Because I, I was never a person that liked webcam. I thought me it was stupid. Like, but I really deeply appreciate it now. Like, and not in a formal sense, like in a social sense. I get so I get so much out of it. I get so much out of seeing someone's face when I'm talking to them. Yeah. Which is, like, such, like, a dystopian, like... I just get so much out of seeing people's faces, but mm-hmm. I get so much out of seeing people's faces. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like I said at opening of this conversation, like there is a f- dystopian fear element to it, but I also like think that there is something to be said about just, you know, adapting. Like the human condition is to adapt, you know, that's like what we've always done. And so like I th- I find, you know, how much people are comfortable enough with like Zoom, for example, at this point to do this, that or the other, you know, like to have basically essentially like, you know, people like capitalists will always be like, we have to restart our economy. Like, but there are so many like facets of at least office parts of our economy that are still existing because of the fact that humans are, are able to adapt and use webcams and use Zoom and things like that. Like the reality is, is that. Yeah, no, there are definitely parts of this new normal that are terrible, but a lot of it is also just kind of like, to me, a really strong testament to what it means to be human. Yeah. In a good, like, in a positive way. No, absolutely. Figuring out new games, figuring out things to, to, to make it work, you know? Well, oh God, I'm The only sorry. thing that bums me out is like... I'm sorry, I'm so yawny. That's okay. I call my grandmas occasionally. Like, I, I think about how hard it is to get, like, older generations involved, you know? Like, even, like, when we play Jackbox with your mom, I always feel like she feels bad or something. No, that's the, that's, that's the thing is, like, it is... We are, obviously unintentionally, but we are kind of excluding... Even Gen X, I feel. Yeah. Even, even people older than us, you know? Like, people that were over 30, like... Five years ago. Right. People who were like 35, 36. People who did not grow up, did not have teenage formative years with the internet. Right. There's a there's an adaptability clot like thing with the internet. Like you have to be able to understand that the nature of the internet can completely change overnight. Yeah. And I think some people just can't do that. Like that's why people like, no, like, will in latch middle, onto Facebook still. Well, like, like our in middle generation. in middle and high school, like it was just I feel like every day there was just a new not every day, but like Every, like, year, there was a new platform. Yeah. Yeah. And then we would just all migrate to that new platform. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to do similar things on that platform. Right. Yeah. No, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I'll be thinking about it a lot. Um, do you want to talk about... No, I uh, think I think that we should talk about your Trump RBJ... RBG, sorry, RBG well, thing, so the, and, then, the, and then I want to segue that into what I want to talk okay, about. Okay, so the thing that I wanted to talk about was we watched bits of the debate. I watched a good portion of it and watched a lot of different... I'm very partial to finding different um, lenses to get news from. You know, like, I get a lot... I know who that I talk to 
are people that get most of their news from MSNBC, most of the people that get most of their news from reading newspapers, most, and I have people that I talk to that get most of their news from Fox News. I have people that I talk to that get most of their news, like not talk to, but like now I'm starting to read up on like people's takes on the news that care about the stock market, people's takes on the news that are like anarchist. Like I really try to find places to get different stances. And what I've really come to with the debate, and my note here says, debate, no one won. If you think someone did, you need to check your bias. Because I feel like I've, I know people that I respect and who I think have really interesting thoughts and opinions who want to say that Joe Biden won. And I get that impulse. Because I also, I don't necessarily want to say that Trump won. And I'm not saying that Trump won. I think no one won. I think that it, it was, was a... It was a wash. It was a disgrace. Honestly, so what it was, was like, they both so desperately needed that debate. Yeah. Biden needed to prove, Biden needed to prove that he could stand up to Trump. Yeah. And Trump needed to prove that he's better than Biden. Mm-hmm. But I think, and, yeah. And neither of them accomplished it <laughs> because Biden just told him to shut up, which like, listen, we all want to tell Trump to shut up, but Biden can't tell Trump to shut up. Yeah. And then Trump was just fucking unhinged. Mm-hmm. He was unhinged the entire night. Mm-hmm. And neither of them got what they needed out of that debate. And it's so, and like, I know that we all needed, like everybody needed something out of that debate. Biden needed to come out and beat Trump. Trump needed to come out and beat Biden. And we needed Biden to beat Trump. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I, it's like you said, like, I understand that we all needed Biden to beat Trump. And so it's understandable that you're just claiming he did because it's hard to accept that he didn't, but he didn't. Yeah. He didn't. I, so another take that I read was the David Brooks, New York times piece, which if you don't know by now, I don't know if, I don't know how much you've listened to the podcast, but fuck David Brooks. I hate that man. Like I read his column and I hate read it. And I do it mostly because I know that I want to complain about it. And he, so he wrote an article that was just like, or uh, he wrote a column just basically being like, yeah, this debate, um, tarnished the sanctity of the presidential debate. And it's just more than anything. You know, just we take so often liberal establishment media. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with it. I'm not saying this is some kind of Trump or like, fuck the liberal media. Like, that's not where I'm coming from. But I'm just saying like elitist kind of academic media has this way of taking things and putting it up onto like a Roman classical uh, pillar, like column. And we want to say, you know, things like the presidential debate have this tradition that... Should always be respected. Right. But the reality is that that's bullshit, first off. And second off, you take that lens and put something like where the political moment is now. And it was this, I find this was true um, with Hillary and Trump. I find it was true with like Obama and Romney. I feel like there's an element of like, like I, the idea that 
where political the, the bipartisan system is that you can just take the center figures of these these bipartisan like taking like what is the identity of being a republican what is it like finding that id and putting them in the same room and there's some kind of weird like platonic and i don't mean plat- you know what i mean like socratic or whatever the fuck like some greek like ability for two people to argue out the ideologies of you're arguing out the ideologies of whether or not certain people are human. You're arguing out the ideologies of whether or not certain people's marriages should be like legitimized. Like you're yeah. So I think that what people are craving is like the intellectual ideal of like, that the contest between the two people running for chief diplomatic officer mm-hmm. of our country would be able to hold their own in a battle of wits. Mm-hmm. Which, like, considering the fact that the president is basically, like, our foreign affairs minister... Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, our our president should be able to hold their own against another equally equally experienced, you know, foreign affairs minister. Yeah. Like, but that's not the moment we find ourselves in. And we're now dealing with the fact that the office of the presidency has been compromised. Mm-hmm. At its core level. Yeah. (laughs) And so the spirit of these debates isn't necessarily the quality of the (laughs) tete-a-tete. It's whether or not it's it's a it's a it's a power it's a power struggle Mm -hmm. at this point. And so we need to throw this idealistic idea of what a debate should be about what a presidential debate should be and realize that these debates are about FaceTime and knowing that these two candidates are virile enough <laughs> to, to handle the, like, basically we just need to, we just need to look on television or look online and look at Biden and say, can this man <laughs> stand up to this fucking lunatic? Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Maybe? Sure. Yeah. You know, we we it's a competency check. Right. It's not it's not a spirited debate. Right. It is a competency check. Yeah, I have two things. The first thing is a quick thing, which is the one thing that I was glad for was Joe Biden saying on the stage that Antifa is not an organization, but is an idea. Yeah. Thank God for that. Because it's like just been such a, like just that anyone at all would say it, you know, it's really great. But I also, just to furthermore go off on this idea that we're so far back past the idea of a presidential debate being something. And I mean, in this moment, it's obvious because what you have is like the idea that we're we're far away from the idea that the debate is two uh, uh, people representing two parties having some kind of ideological tete It's it's basically what basically what people are missing is two Harvard graduates right in in debate club. But so uh, before this moment, and because I think that this moment is different, and I'll get to that. But before this moment. What what was happening in the last couple decades is you have two 
parties that, whose interests are both beholden to capitalist profit-mongering, maximizing interests, that any debate and the issues brought up in the debate are catered to that class. The, the reality is that any policy that's been brought up in, the, in, a, in capitalist America in the last couple of decades is through the lens of neither of these parties will disrupt the system at its core. The reality yeah. is that the Democratic Party and the Republican Party both do not want to, and you know, from there, civil rights and, and um, every bit of what it meant, it's meant to vote Republican and vote Democrat. That is completely true that those issues are brought up. But the, but the reality is, is that you cannot have a purely ideological debate on that stage if you have a interest that is putting guidelines on what either party is allowed to bring up or what either candidate is like what what we've lost like people are mourning the loss of the of the traditional debate spirit in these presidential debates but what's truly happening is that we've lost we ha it's not that we've lost that spirit of debate in these debates it's that we've lost humanity in our candidates yeah because candidates, I, so I was looking through like Facebook memories and I guess eight years ago there was a, there was an Obama Romney debate and I, I, I looked at Facebook and it was like, I remember being, I, I posted that I was critical of Barack because he, I don't know why I just said Barack, I was, he, I was critical of Obama because he wasn't answering any of the questions. Yeah. He was just saying vaguely, he was giving vague, he was hearing the question and then picking out a minute of his stump speech that right. kind of related to it. Yes. And so I think at that point is where we, like, even before that, like... It, it, that's a perfect <laughs> example of it, but I think that you can make a strong case that that's been happening Way before that. Oh, I mean, yeah, but yeah. you know, at that point, I was twenty-two, right? And had, and at that point, had the capacity to watch the debate and understand that that's what was mm. happening. Well, and the moment, the thing that makes this moment different—that's something that I wanted to touch on. I, I think that that still is true, but what we have now is what we we are asking these candidates about is whether or not Trump is fascist, and what did happen in that debate. Where Trump really did fail is he would not come out and say that he was not fascist. And at, at, in that sense, at the very least, that is what makes like someone like me potentially want to vote for Biden. Because, because I know that at least the democratic process is interested in rooting out fascism. Because to be frank, up until this point, I would not say that I knew that. Yeah. The, the, the fact that we're grilling Trump on whether or not he's courting white supremacy and courting fascist interests is is good news to me. And that is not a success of Biden. That's a success of the political establishment that we have. Yeah. Which, which you know, thank God for that. Thank somebody for the fact that that, that's it, that bare fucking minimum of not doing a fascism is a thing that we can do. Right. Like, <sighs> So, so there's that piece. Um, the furthermore Trump stuff that I wanted to talk about, obviously, if you're not living under a rock, Trump tested positive for COVID. 
Um, and there's a lot of elements to that. Um, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, I am, I am, I think that a lot of people want to say, oh man, if he gets over this, like, then no one's going to take it seriously. We are 30 days. I was watching, I've been watching Hassan Piker from the Young Turks. And, you know, I think that all things are, are nothing. No one's perfect ideologically, but I've been, in, it's been interesting because he Twitch streams and it's a, if that is a whole that we can talk about and get, and get into it another time. But one of the points he brought up was this idea that we are 30 days out from an election and the president who has been entirely talking about how masks don't matter that the coronavirus like his supporters want to say the coronavirus is a hoax is in the hospital with symptoms of coronavirus and is going through extensive like experimental treatments there's no world in which that's good for his election uh, hopes and people a lot of people want to say like well you know after bolsonaro and after um boris johnson po- tested positive for covid they're reception was was greater because you know of this that or the other but that's that moment was a very different moment than the one we find ourselves in you know the the reality is is that the aftermath of what of what their handling of covid did was not known at that time you know the the way that boris johnson for example handled things in britain completely like you can see statistically the failures and the way that that trump has handled things in america 200,000 deaths you know so many like case numbers being as high as they are like the failures of his administration are statistical they're proven and they're done and and that element to also his hypocrisy of of having covid being in the hospital on death's door potentially that that is not good for his election hopes and furthermore if something happens to him and he dies and we're looking at mike pence instead mike pence does not have the same cult of personality the thing that elects trump if you listen to republicans and you care about why trump won the first time and really want to figure it out and don't want to just say just time voters uh whatever the fuck he people believed in trump there is something that he touched on in the American identity that millions of people turned up to the polls for. And I don't think you're going to get that same thing with Pence. Well, especially not 30 days out from an election. Yeah. Well, in the piece of this that hits close to home for me is that a lot of the kind of to play, not devil's advocate, but to show another side of this situation is that a lot of the people who are celebrating this are celebrating it in a really fat phobic way. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people, you know, making comments like, of course you got COVID, that fat fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, of course you got COVID. He's a 74-year-old man who eats nothing but McDonald's mm-hmm. and never exercises. And it's like, you know, yeah, the CDC came out and said that obesity which by the way is like basically a slur at this point because it's like it's been thrown in the that word has been thrown in the face of fat people for years and years and years to the point that it's just anyway but the cdc has 
has decided that fat people are at higher risk. Mm-hmm. Which, at this point, I don't take seriously any medical statistics surrounding fat people because they are so skewed due to medical discrimination. Like, a really good example of that is that fat people are have a higher rate of stage four cancer. And the reason is... God, Moody. And the reason is that they ignore symptoms for longer because they're so used to being prescribed weight loss or being overlooked or being told that it's not that big a deal, that it's probably just a matter of, oh, like, oh, I bet if you lost some weight, you know, you would have less pain and mm-hmm. pain in your chest or, oh, that to me, that doesn't really look like a lump. Maybe it's a fat deposit or maybe it's a cyst. That's pretty common among obese patients. Yeah, I want to say... For those that don't know at this point, Maureen co-hosts a podcast called Fat Out of Hell. It's very fantastic, and it's all about tackling fat phobia. And if you don't know what we're talking about at this point, pause this and go start from the beginning when it was originally Fat Chat, or maybe start a few episodes back and and learn some shit because because body privilege is real and it's a real issue and it's something that it's something that Maureen knows a ton about and so that I just I don't know if we've ever actually mentioned that on sounding board it's it's obviously a scoppy podcast right um well and so a lot of people are the main thing is so the the buzzword I'm going to throw into this is concern trolling Mm -hmm. where people are Basically, and what that basically what concern trolling is is somebody expressing concern for your health as a fat person without actually providing a plan of action or knowing anything about your personal or situation. knowing anything about your personal situation and basically using it as a way of othering you and like mocking you and basically. It's the adult version of a schoolyard. Ha ha, you're fat. Mm-hmm. But Where it's like, I'm not. I'm but dressed not, up as concern. I don't want to insult you. I'm just concerned about your health. Yeah. And to that, I like. And so a lot of people are talking about how Trump's size contributed to his diagnosis. And like to. I'm, I'm talking specifically. So I was I was going through Facebook last night and I came across a post of somebody I went to college with who like you know we we used to drink at parties and mm-hmm. it was fun whatever but he posted literally the I the the thing I said earlier about 74 years old eats nothing but McDonald's and never exercises I pulled from his post <laughs> because I remember word for word what he said. And I left like five comments <laughs> on this post, basically outlining the points I just gave of medical statistics surrounding fat people are inherently flawed because of medical discrimination. And that the the crux of my issue is that Trump didn't get this disease because he's fat. Trump got this disease because he refused to wear a mask, because he held multi-thousand person rallies during a pandemic in states with high occurring cases of COVID-19. How the fuck has it taken him seven months to get this damn disease Based on this knowledge. 
He has laughed in the face of science. He has he has compromised the safety of thousands of people. And I'm not just talking about policy. I'm talking about by holding massive public events in stadiums. Like, what is wrong with you? Of course you got coronavirus. Of course all your staffers are getting coronavirus. And by the way, the th- three th- three people who see Donald Trump on a daily basis who were also diagnosed in the same 24 hours as Donald Trump, Hope Hicks, Melania Trump, and Kellyanne Conway, all three thin women. So how the fuck can you say, oh, Trump got this because he was fat, and then look at Kellyanne Conway, Hope Hicks, and Melania Trump and say, oh, they got it because of science. It's not a different disease. Yeah. Well, and you know something else I'll say? I think the element that maybe people are are adding to this is they want to see Trump die, which I relate to that. But here's the piece is like, so so then you get into the whole thing of like what it is, the demographics of COVID-19 patients of like people that are dying from it. And it has way more to do with age. Like, that is such so much more of a factor. And then furthermore, if you're going to concern troll and body shame Trump and in the same breath be like, but, you know, we have to respect our president or whatever the fuck. Like, like the reality is, is the reason you're bringing up his health or his body or whatever, however the fuck you want to put it, is because you're, you're, there's a, like, it's a weird manifestation of your desire to see a fascist fall to this disease well but in doing so what they're doing by bringing his body size into it is they're dragging 67 percent of the population of this country Mm -hmm. down with him because one of the comments that i received on that post which i'll talk about my relationship to the comments on that particular post in a moment because i think that's important as as people as people evolve into the age of getting in internet arguments. (laughs) But one of the comments is, well, I think his size plays a major role in in this conversation because the fact is it's a respiratory disease and, and his size will greatly impact his ability to recover from this. And it's like, not all fat people have respiratory issues. You know nothing about Donald Trump's respiratory health. I am a fat person. I do not have respiratory issues. If I got COVID-19, I mean, I obviously can't predict how I, how I would react to that disease because it absolutely, it seems like a dice roll. Broadway dancers are dying of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of, an, a more, of a more aerobically fit, in a more aerobically fit, subpopulation of this country than Broadway dancers. A very high-profile Broadway dancer died of coronavirus in, like, May. And yet you're worried that Donald Trump... Like, it, it... It has nothing to do... It has nothing to do with it. We've seen time and time again that it does not discriminate against body size. That's my piece, is that if you... Like, you can... Go come right out and say, I want Donald Trump to die of COVID-19. But if you say that he deserves to die from it because because he's a fat piece of shit who only eats McDonald's and never exercises, like, 
You know what? I know a lot of fat people who don't exercise and eat McDonald's who are lovely people. And those people don't deserve to die of COVID-19. And if you're not bringing into the conversation the fact that he's a fascist who is responsible for the death of 215,000 people from a preventable disease and also like any other myriad of human rights atrocities that he's committed over the past four years, you're missing the fucking point. And this particular topic makes me feel really vulnerable (laughs) because it makes me put myself in a position where I feel like I'm defending Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. which I don't want to do. Yeah. Because I think he's a monster. Mm -hmm. Um... But, it's, but it's, that doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean that, I just feel like if we set the precedent where we can be fat phobic to monsters, then where does it stop? Yeah. You know, like, no one deserves to be, like, people, people should just be able to have bodies and be left alone about it, you know? Like, be able to look at a mirror and, like, point at themselves and say, skin sack is skin sack. Skin sack is skin sack. You know, like, even if we're not, like, waking up in the morning and, like, looking at ourselves in the mirror and, like, you know, feeling like we're Aphrodite reincarnated, like, no one does that every day. And no one should expect, no one should be expected to do that every day, but... You know, no one, including Donald Trump, deserves to wake up in the morning and say, I don't deserve to be here because of that. Mm -hmm. And we have to extend that to everyone breathing. So yeah, you should listen to Fat Out of Hell. You should. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with what we're up to, you can definitely find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Scopy Magazine. But most importantly, do find our Discord server. That is where we have been in this time having the most luck with building a community letting people know what we're up to and just outright beating the algorithm in in all social media platforms Uh, you can also find the podcast the one you listen to right now in most podcast places including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts and Radio Public and I'm here as always to talk about the importance of subscribing and now more so than ever during our sustain campaign for as little as $2 a month, you can become a sustainer. And for that, you'll receive an email notification every time we post any piece of content. It is so worth it, and it makes such a difference to us. So please give it some thought. So give a little, give a lot. And if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>